the reality is we have to understand you can be grieving, gracious, and grateful all at the same time. All right. We can hold both of these in our hand. So I can be grieving and grateful. So what it is, is and how I talk about it is more so just don't allow the, the role of gratefulness and even joy. You know, the role of gratefulness and joy is don't allow. Yes, you're feeling down. You're feeling sad. But don't let it be the only thing in the pot. Welcome to a movement of kindness and empathy. You're listening to Compassionate Las Vegas, the podcast. Embarking on a mission to unite our city under the banner of compassion, we're one among 440 cities around the globe standing together to build a more compassionate world. Now introducing the man leading the charge, your host, Will Rucker. Welcome to Compassionate Las Vegas, the podcast. I'm Will Rucker, and so happy that you've joined for this episode. We've got a holiday-themed episode today. We just had Thanksgiving. We're approaching Christmas and so many other amazing days of the year. And I thought this subject was important because the holidays aren't always happy for all of us. So a good friend of mine is joining us for today's episode, Leanne Zarstockley. He is a grief recovery specialist, among so many other things. So, Leanzar, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah. So, I, I, I know you in so many capacities. I want to hear from you exactly what you do with grief recovery and just so I get it right. Yeah. So, for the most part, basically, I just walk people through um, releasing some of the pain of their grief. All right. So, um, but it's a grief recovery method uh, certified through the Grief Recovery Institute which is the only, which has the only um, evidence-based grief recovery program in the world, actually. So it's basically more than just like a support group. It's actually an action-based program um, to actually help people process their grief and walk through it in a healthy and well way. And I like that you call it the process, because I, I do think, at least in my own experience, it is certainly process. So this is Compassionate Las Vegas. And so I want to start with laying a foundation for our conversation uh, with how you define compassion. Basically, I, I define it as, you know, take the two words, come, C-O-M, compatty, all right, patty, pet mean passion, to suffer with, to really actually get in the trenches with folks. You know, of course, with the idea that we can alleviate some things, but for the most part, to actually suffer with one another. Wow. And how did you come to that definition? The dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that worked. You know, but, you know, but yeah, looking up, looking up the original of the word of what it actually really is made up of the two. I think it's Latin. It may be Latin or Greek, one or two, but C-O-M usually means together. And then passion uh, comes from the, I think it's the Latin word. I might be wrong on it, but it's a patty, P-A-T-I is the word we get passion from. And it just, it literally means to suffer with. You know, so it's really yeah. just an aspect of being with one another and actually sharing in one another's process through life. You know, we hear suffering, we just think all pain. But to me, really, it's just a, uh, what would you call It's just relationality. You know, that's my term for yeah. things. It's just really healthy relationality with one another and being there for one another through the joys and the pains. I think that's so important, and especially in this season. Uh, with what's going on in the world and polarization in our politics and just, I mean, just life, right? We really need to lean in to relationship, I think, now more than any time, at least in my history. Yeah, yeah, mine too. 
It, it just seems so, you know, we have this whole epidemic of loneliness that's going on. That, that in and of itself is the grief. It is a grief that many mm-hmm. people are experiencing, especially during the day. So can you share how your journey in grief recovery began? Because, I mean, I, we don't have time to get into the whole story, but you were a pastor and you did so many different things in mental health. So how did you land in grief recovery? So I was a I was a program director for a mental health company here in Las Vegas. And uh, as a program director, I'm looking for programs, <laughs> looking for things to really just expand what we do, uh, what we did as a as a company. So I stumbled on um, the grief recovery method. And, you know, for years I was trying to get, you know, trying to get training in it. And, you know, I read up on it and I was like, man, this looks very interesting. And what stood out to me was that it was evidence based. Um, and again, having been in ministry and just walking with people probably shoot, man, my whole life. I've seen a lot of things that was grief related that was being diagnosed as mental health issues. And it, it mm-hmm. just wasn't clicking. So when I stumbled upon the grief recovery method, it really stood out to me, you know, and then the fact that it was evidence based. Uh, so it was a, quite a few years before I was actually able to get training in it because it uh, wasn't cheap. <laughs> Do you know? <laughs> And, uh, but I finally got, got a chance to actually do that. Interestingly enough, after I left that job, um, you know, I was able to get the training in it and just made it a part of my own practice um, and went through the program myself in order to be certified. You actually have to do your work. You know, and, uh, it's a very intense, intense program, but it is absolutely relieving. So I was sold on it and I'm trying to walk with people through it now. As, as many as want to. So how does the holiday season impact the work you do with grief? Because I'm coming at it, you know, from a personal standpoint, not trained in that particular aspect or anything, but just I imagine that the holidays probably do impact your work in some way. Yeah, the holidays are generally the hardest uh, times for people. Um, just because, you know, generally around our holidays, when we think, hey, get with your, get with family, get with, you know, it's supposed to be the festive times and, you know, so some kind of way that just weighs on people's hearts. Even if there's people who normally didn't celebrate holidays very much, it's something about the holidays and we still haven't really fully put our finger on it. But I think it's just because it's the time when everyone generally comes together and everyone's generally happy, you know, or that's the thought. That's that's what we generally expect. So it has impacted, you know, me, I think that the the grief groups, all of my grief groups that I'm running, um, they mention more so around the holidays is when they think of their, particularly those who have lost loved ones, all right? Um, because grief is not just someone has died, you know, but um, particularly those that have lost someone around these times, they're thinking a lot heavier, missing that person at the dinner table. You know, it's like you, you look over to somebody that used to be there and they're no longer there. So some people are trying to avoid that. And then some people are experiencing it and then they're not knowing what to do after that. So it's, this is a, I would say an uptick time, you know, when there's yeah. a lot of people really kind of suffering through this, through this grief. I do audio groups and video groups and everything like that. And the, the commentary coming from a lot of my uh, group members is that this is the hardest of the year. This along with like special holidays, like birthdays or you know, different things like that. Those, those, what do you call those? Like those pivotal moments, hallmark mm-hmm. moments. So are there s- strategies or particular techniques that 
you can share for anyone listening or watching that's like, yeah, it's my first Thanksgiving without my mom. It's my first Thanksgiving as someone who's ended a, a marital relationship or heck, it's my first Thanksgiving as someone that lost my best friend. We're not friends anymore. I cut that person up. You know, we always talk about that. What what techniques do you have? I think the 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 number one thing, number one thing, and we don't we generally don't do this well. We think we do this well as a society, but we don't. The number one thing is to actually feel your emotions. To actually feel what you feel about it. We live in a society where everybody's trying to suppress it. Um, there's more people trying not to grieve than there are people that are actually allowing themselves to grieve. So that biggest thing is to let you, and that, that's, you know, of course you're crying, you're feeling heavy, you, you know, whatever you don't want to be crying. <laughs> the, the, the sadness that sort of comes for people, we try to push it away because it's a non feel good emotion. We process it as a negative emotion. Sadness is not a negative emotion. It's actually a very healthy emotion when put in its proper place. So when we're trying to push it away, then all we're doing is suppressing it within, within ourselves. Right. And, and some people you'll see even begin to get sick. You know, emotions are, have a direct correlation to our immune system. All right. So when we suppress them and don't express them and don't actually feel them and try to push them away, we do ourselves a greater disservice. And maybe in some senses, increase the grief, you know, so the, so that number one thing is to actually allow yourself to feel what you feel and to be okay with it. Now, again, some of this sounds very, um, rock in a hard place or, or, or cats 22, you know, it's like, because it's like, Oh, you mean to tell me I need to feel this? Yeah, you do like, let it and be okay with it. Don't judge it. We judge ourselves. All right. Understand that it's okay to be sad. All right. Those kind of things, even during the holiday, it's okay to actually be sad. Everybody wants you to be happy. Everybody wants you to be festive. Everybody wants you to come over so they can cheer you up, you know. Um, but the truth is that often makes people feel worse, you know. So it's basically feeling the emotions, allowing yourself to actually process them. Give yourself permission to shift some things around. Now, there's a there's a lot of. Sometimes we say if you if you don't have to cancel your holidays, don't. But if, if it's just that heavy for you, feel free to tell people I need to bow out. I need to bow out this year. Do you know, okay. generally we don't want you to do that because we want you to kind of keep what you was normally, what you normally would be doing and, and be okay to go even if you're sad. But we worry about being the Debbie Downer in the, at the holiday or at the whatever it is that we're doing, you know, so if it's just too heavy, then be okay with bowing out, letting your people know that you can bow, that you need to bow out or just shift it a little bit. You know, another thing is to kind of prepare yourself for, um, what would you call it? Kind of preparing yourself for certain things. So say, for instance, dad used to be the one to cut the turkey. All right. Let's have that conversation up front before we get to that part of the dinner that dad is going to be the one cutting the turkey. And that sounds odd to actually have that conversation because we know, oh, well, obviously he's, he's not here, but to actually have that conversation there. But, and, and we know who's going to cut it. All right. Wow. So. So some of those things is, um, is just sort of kind of thinking practically and kind of setting yourself up to be able to be supported during that time. That's the other thing is to make sure that you have supportive people around. So for the people that are supporting the person that's grieving or people that are grieving, what, what can they do? How can they best support? Because of course the natural inclination is, Hey, want to cheer you up. Like you mentioned, right? 
Um, and sometimes it's just uncomfortable to sit with someone who is suffering. Um, often we do have the tendency to turn away or, you know, want to just alleviate it. Maybe it's well-intentioned, you know, compassion to alleviate that suffering. Uh, but what can we do that's a healthy way to support, particularly for someone who is grieving a new or recent loss? That's, there's a couple of things back then. I actually posted something the other day about it. One, understand that it's okay for that person to be sad. Same thing for the person to understand. Understand it's okay for them to be sad. Oftentimes, we try to cheer people up because it makes us uncomfortable. All right, so it's like, let them be how they are. Two, ask them what might feel good for them during this holiday. Like, what might actually work for them to help them navigate through this thing? Let them lead, okay? Because generally speaking, we want to force ourselves on them and force them to fall into the way, whatever that way is. So it's actually let them lead. Don't criticize how they're handling the holiday. All right. Because again, emotions, when you're grieving, they can be all over the place. You can be happy one moment and then the next moment, you know, just the smallest little thing, a color, uh, a gift, a sound, a song could just, you know, kind of activate them in a way that just brings on a heavy sense of sadness. And the other thing is one of the huge things that I always say is check your foundation. You know, there's so many myths centered around grief that we and we just spew it out of our mouth and don't even realize that we're saying it. Things like be strong. All right. <laughs> what does that even mean? Be strong. Don't uh, replace the loss. Keep busy. Uh, grieve alone. You know, it's like we, we, all of these things kind of being mindful of the language that we're using, you know, around it. We, we're famous for, you know, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, you know, yeah. and, and th there's so many things that we say that are unhelpful to a grieving person. And so it's really just kind of checking our foundation. You don't have to walk on eggshells, but at the same token, think about what would you, you know, you wouldn't want some of this stuff said to you if you, especially recently, have just lost a friend, a family member, or, you know, whatever that you, whoever you've lost or dealing in grief with, kind of taking that into consideration and just thinking about that. But if we get the myths in our head, the be strong or whatever, then you won't expect them to have to be strong, right? Just let them be human right? and actually experience what they're experiencing during that particular time. That's just a couple of things I think um, that we can kind of really do. It's really showing up with compassion, not sympathy. Showing up with compassion with them, not just feeling sorry for them. Because, I, I, like again, like I said, oftentimes that whole feeling sorry thing is really more so about you. You're uncomfortable with non-feel-good emotions. So you want to kind of Oh, I just feel bad. I'm sorry for your loss is what we generally, what we generally yeah. say, you know? So it's just really being with them and, and being whatever support that they letting them lead. You've made a couple key distinctions. And I don't know that I addressed like the first one between the negative emotion and, you know, pain, right? But then the distinction between compassion and sympathy, I think is also really important. Can you speak a little bit more uh, to both of those areas? What, why are difficult or challenging or sad, or I, I don't know the right terminology, those emotions that we tend to avoid, how can they be healthier for us? And then what's the difference with compassion and sympathy and all of that? Mm -hmm. So one of the main things with, uh, even with the grief recovery method, the aim of going through the program for grief recovery is not to make you never have emotions. It's not so that you're never sad again, right? Because again, sadness is a healthy emotion. 
it's so that you're no longer carrying around the pain of grief. That pain is that that totally debilitating, oftentimes, that debilitating ability to move. We're moving into depression, like true depression, no longer have a joy for life or, or any thought of the person that we've lost. It, it comes with a painful, it's more of a distressing memory. And that can be the good times or the bad times. Like it's just distressing and kind of de- the easiest way to explain it is just it's debilitating to it. And we're, we're almost tormented with it. So very different than just feeling sad about something and just, you know, looking at a situation. Oh, man, this is so sad that this, this has happened. And as I said, sadness is a very healthy thing. That's a very healthy emotion. The cat gets run over by the bus. You're not laughing. Do you know? So it's like. We just have the, uh, the appropriate, um, emotional aspects to that. So with grief recovery method, it's about releasing the pain. One of the main things to understand is even too with grief, the pain generally pain, not just sadness, because sadness is going to happen. You lose someone you love. We're sad, right? It's, it's like the flip. You sign up for love. You sign up for grief. All right. We're only sad because we love. We're grieving because we loved. All right. But that doesn't have to be in pain for the whole now that this person is gone forever right so it's releasing that and oftentimes with grief grief and we try to process it intellectually but it's an emotional process all right and oftentimes what we find almost 99 percent of the times when people are carrying around the pain of grief it's undelivered emotional communication there's something that has been undelivered what is it that this person wished was different better or more of in that relationship what was the unrealized hopes, dreams, and expectations? Because that person is now gone. You know, so then processing through these things. Are there apologies that need to happen? Are there areas of forgiveness that need to happen? What are the significant emotional statements? And I'm using words we use in group recovery that people would have to get into it to really understand a little bit more, but but that's just like a laser of a blast of all of that. So the pain is more so the debilitating heaviness um, that's generally there. Sadness is just I'm sad that this is the way it was. I feel sad when I think about the fact of how my person was, you know, passed or this is that and the other. And you have moments of that throughout your life. That's a natural human. You know, grief is the natural and normal response to loss and change of any. All right. So that's very normal. When we talk about sympathy versus compassion, you know, again, the compassion thing is I'm going to actually get in here with you. I'm going to actually sit with you. I'm going to, um, even, even if I'm being your support, I'm going to be a heart. We say in grief recovery, a heart with ears and no mouth. I'm not here to give you advice. I'm not here to give you. I'm just with you. What do you need? What do you need? And I'm not going to judge you for where you are. And, you know, all that sympathy more so things on this line of like I was saying, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for you. I just have pity that, that, that you're going through that and that you're happy. That, that does not necessarily mean you're going to get in here with me. That does not necessarily mean you're going to walk with me through this. That is not, you know, that's where we can just give the sympathy card and going on about our business, looking like, oh, it must be tough down there. Oh, well, see you later. Let me know when you come out, you know, Uh, whereas compassion is to literally walk with, walk alongside these individuals as we move towards whatever that moving towards this relief or moving towards Whatever it really looks like. And I'm saying relief, but sometimes that can be long for people. And they're like, you're in this too long. You're taking too long. You know, that's not compassion at that point. At that point, that becomes judgment. Mm. 
a lot of this is is really deep, for, for lack of a better term, right? Uh, and I'm just wondering, because as you, you talk through this, I hear more than just, I went through a class and learned how to facilitate a group with this. There was something in, in you that gravitated to this already, but also it seems like there's some lived experience behind this. And so if you don't mind, share a little bit of really what brought you to the point of really, I would say, being masterful in communicating this subject. My own grief. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, man, listen, I've lived, um, I have lived what I would consider. And I know everybody probably feels this about themselves, but it's like, there's, there's things in my life that I've lived through that I, in, in some instances, even being in mental health, that I would have diagnosed myself with certain depression and all these other kind of things that was going on. And, and, and I've had some of that. I have experienced some of that. But a lot of things was just me carrying around years and years and years and years of grief. And then being in the African-American community, I don't know how many other. Well, actually, I'm seeing now that so many of them are like this, too. We're kind of just taught, be strong, get over it, push through it. All right. Grandma died. But, you know, and, we, and we're quick to say I'm fine. And oftentimes we don't really realize sometimes you're not. But you're used to the society the way it was. And that, that's how it was for me. I mean, having lost, I lost my brother at 16 when I was 16. Lost my brother at that, that he didn't, after that, we lost my great grandmother. And these are people that were very close to me that I considered to be very, the people in my life I always explained this. These are the people that saw me. Do you know, my brother was my protector. You know, my older, he was two years older than me, but he, he passed. Then my great grandmother passed and she was the one that would sit and rub your hand and be like, baby, you, you know, you got a little girlfriend, you got, you know, <laughs> all of that, you know, and then the series of, I lost my cousin, my, my first cousin who was like my brother. So we were like brothers, we called it brothers. Yeah. And he was also mm-hmm. probably the best friend of my life. He's the one that knew every and all things about me, lost him and, you know, had to go through all those things. And I thought I was okay, thought I was fine. But the truth is those things were never really truly processed. So I was carrying them around. So in, in using grief recovery language, these are pebbles in the backpack. You know, we all got these backpacks in life and these things happen in our life. And again, it doesn't have to just be death. It can be anything. It can be a move. It can be a change. It, it can be people getting married. People grieve when they get married. You know, not that they don't want to be married, but it's a change in their life. So, or friendships and different things like that that have ended or whatever. And it becomes a pebble in our backpack. And instead of us actually processing it, we just take that stone, stick it in the backpack and keep it on trucking. And I was doing that. I had done that my entire life. And I, the, when we go in to do the work for grief recovery, I actually went in to do the work on my ex partner. So to kind of release all of the pain of that, I did end up doing it on that initially. I ended up having to go back to, cause when you're doing the grief recovery work, you, it just, you go back to your earliest childhood memories of things. And I ended up doing grief recovery work. I started with my mother who was still living. But there was things that I was carrying from things that happened in my childhood. She hadn't did anything wrong for, of my first memory, but that was the first wound I remember was her taking me to preschool. The heart felt abandoned. Mm. And see, so a lot of times what comes up through this grief recovery work is things that you wouldn't have even thought <laughs> mattered, but being bullied as a kid, 
feeling like you're the only one, those things kind of can come up and you realize, my goodness, I've been carrying this my whole life and I'm sitting here. This is what this heaviness has been in my life. So for me personally, I'm processing through some of that stuff. And like I said, did some of the work with using my mother's situation and some other details of that. I felt so much lighter. My relationship with my mother shifted. In the, so in the positive. I, and I mean this in, in jest in one way, but also I'm very serious when I ask this question. Is anyone okay? I chuckle. Because honestly, I would say we can all, I'll say it this way. We all could benefit from grief recovery. Yeah. That's a very diplomatic way to say yeah. that. Because, you know, what I really wanted to say was, no, no. <laughs> you know, but we're okay. Like, we're okay, but we're not okay. Like, it's like there, there are things that, like I said, like we use the backpack method. There's things that I'm seeing, at least in my experience in the field and even in the grief recovery work. There's a lot of us that's carrying around a lot of stuff and we don't. We're okay in the sense that we're functioning and we look like we're fine. But as I say, that I think we all can benefit from. We're impacted by this world we live in. And, and, and again, we're, we, we're some tough cookies. So we just kind of keep it pushing. We keep it going. And, you know, kudos to folks that could do that. But at the same time, to be our most health, our healthiest and even quote unquote lightest cells, meaning not carrying around all these heavy weights, we all could benefit. In the spirit of the season, how can joy and gratitude help with the process of grief? I honestly think that it's joy and gratitude that, well, m- mainly joy that helps us recognize grief. Right. Sounds oxymoronic, you know, but the truth is it's our joy that that gives us the strength to even be able to process through grief. And sometimes people say, ah, joy, I don't feel that right. You may not feel it, but I believe that that seed of joy is within a lot of us and it's kind of helping us hold hold together. Joy gives us the ability to even, in my opinion, and, and, and work, it gives us the ability to even hold sadness. They work together. You know, um, and so it's almost kind of like two sides of the same coin. Like, you know, how I said that um, when you sign up for love, you sign up for grief. It's like we only sad about things that we love. So they sort of live in the same room. There's that joy that you have of your loved one. But also I feel sad that they're no longer here with me. But I'm only feeling sad because I had some type of relationship with them that probably gave me joy, you know, but even still tapping into that. Tapping into gratitude, we, there's profound um, research and, and uh, science behind the role of gratitude in our lives during this time. Now, what I do see people doing, though, with gratitude is we try to use gratitude as a blanket or as a rug to cover up sadness. We have to understand that's the, an ill use of it. That's almost like toxic positivity. All right. So the reality is we have to understand you can be grieving, gracious and grateful all at the same time, all right? We can hold both of these in our hand. So I can be grieving and grateful. So what it is, is and how I talk about it is more so, just don't allow the, the role of gratefulness and even joy, you know, the role of gratefulness and joy is don't allow, yes, you're feeling down, you're feeling sad, but don't let it be the only thing in the pot. There's still some things funny. 
there's still some things that you can pull joy from. There's still something within you to be able to go and serve someone else. All right. So but when you only allow the sadness, the tears, the, the, the grief to be the only thing in the mix, the only thing in the pot, you'll be consumed by it. So it's just still taking time to recognize the beauty of the flowers, taking time to be grateful for those who are trying to show up for you, taking time to be grateful for your life. You know, these tremendously help us. And, and like I said, it won't go too deep into it, but even just mentally with our mental well-being, overall, overall well-being. So and that is the hope, too, is that although I'm grieving, it's not the only thing in the room. So as a whole individual, I want to acknowledge everything in the room. Well, I think that's a fantastic place to pause the conversation because I'm definitely going to have to have you back because there's so much more to get into. How do folks get in contact with you? I do want you to talk about relationality, your book, you know, give, give us the, the spiel. So do that first. There's the relationality. There's the book. Relationality is my, um, that's my baby. All of the work that I do, I coin under relationality. So as a, my, my back, of course, I do counseling, counseling and coaching and stuff like that. So I do relationships, spirituality and mental health. Um, and all of that I coin under just relationality because it's all connected to me. Um, and wait a minute, was that a hardcover? This one is a hardcover. Yeah. How come I don't have a hardcover? Now, you know, I'm not walking around with the paperback. Oh, all right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. This is, this one is the hardcover, um, hardcover version of it. And, um, but yeah, so that's the, this is the book that, that just really hones in on our relationships as human beings, just period. And I personally think, you know, I read it, but as like, I personally think that it, it is a gem for connecting us because our relationships are the, remember I said earlier, one of the myths of grief is to grieve alone, but it's ultimately our relationships that help us actually navigate the grief, right? So this is not about grief, but it's about really sharpening and, and honing our relationships and, and tapping into our identity as love beings and relational beings. But people can get that book at my website, generally www.lienzerstockley.com and they can reach out to me through there, there's links in there to be able to connect with me if they want to have conversations and also see the work that I do um, under my company, Soul Society 61, is where I do the counseling and coaching, speaking and clergy and all of those other little and groups. All of those are outlined on the website at leanzerstockley.com, L-E-A-N-Z-A-R-S-T-O-C-K-L-E-Y.com. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining the podcast. It's always a privilege as well as a pleasure to have time to talk with you. Like this that. has been Compassionate Las Vegas, the podcast. I'm Will Rucker. And as I always remind you, you are not just a drop in the ocean. You are the entire ocean in a drop. And what you do matters. So live compassionately. I'll see you next time. Bye.